Hello, hello. Welcome to B2B Craftworks, a podcast about business writing. My name is Sarah Griesenbach, founder of the B2B Writing Institute. And this is just a quick Friday update for everybody. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Sarah, it's pretty obvious you're making this update on Monday. And I just have to encourage you to look the other way because Fridays get really crazy. Part of what I'm really working through with my new leisure life with the 4,000 weeks update is I'm trying to be nicer to myself, which has a couple different layers to it. Because on the one hand, I tend to procrastinate the things that I love, like the podcast and reading. And then on the other hand, I'm also trying to be not as harsh to myself about missing things. So that creates a very interesting tornado of problems on Fridays when it's time to record. And this is something that I want to do. So I'm procrastinating and it's something where it's getting later in the day and then I don't do it. Anyway, you probably don't need to hear about this, but just to say, I'm going to start working towards Fridays again, maybe even Thursdays. Maybe this needs to move up in the week and just become the Monday update. I don't know, but this is for last week. So my 4,000 weeks update for you, and I'm going to start calling this the leisure lifestyle update because that is what I want. Whether I were in a full-time job or part-time working or working for myself, doing what I'm doing now, I want a more leisurely lifestyle. I want to work a pretty focused six to seven hour day. I want to have a nice lunch looking out a window, and I just want to chill and do whatever I want the rest of the time. This was not always the case. So realizing from maybe 23 to 30, oh my gosh, I'm old. I hadn't put that together before. Anyway, from that period of time, I would have thought it's really fun to work in my off hours. Maybe if I was at the co-working space and have a beer and talk work with everybody, super fun, going to spend my time doing that. But now I just want to make room to be really lazy, drink tea. I just sit places. <laughs> Maybe I'm just feeling really lazy today. I don't know. But that's my goal. So the leisure lifestyle update. And all of this was inspired by Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks. I can't plug that book enough. It's a really quick audible read. One thing I've noticed that has been really special is that I am reading recreationally again. I have always missed, ever since I started working for myself, that feeling of just being on the clock and I could kind of mess around on the internet and read fun blogs. So I'm back on one of my favorites, Colossal Art Blog, which is design and visual stuff and painting and just any kind of art you could imagine. Just seeing things that are beautiful to look at. There's nothing productive about the time I spend on that website. It's not obsessive like Twitter. I'm not checking it all the time. But every couple of days, I'll just think, oh, what's happening on Colossal? And I'll go to the site. It's just beautiful and it's fun. Another kind of tornado I've been thinking about related to the leisure lifestyle is the difference between planning less in a day versus actually pushing off or procrastinating things that were planned. So I'll have this situation where something is due on Friday, but I put it in my calendar for a Thursday. And then inevitably I get to Thursday and I push it back to the Friday. That's too. This is going to sound really weird to people who can just set goals and get it done. 
but it's a game I play constantly with my workload. And I'm realizing it's really not healthy for me. I need to just do it on the day that I have it due. And the key to that, surprisingly, is going to be planning less in my day. So when I put a deadline on the calendar for Thursday, it's not really about Thursday. It's about Tuesday and Wednesday, how I'm spending my time on those days. And it's not all bad news. So I'm not here to just roast myself and my lack of productivity because I've really applied my lived experience for the past 10 years. And I have a vacation planned for next week. And I have actually said no to things that have come up this week already. So on Friday, I started getting emails about maybe a lot of feedback coming back on a project. Can we rewrite it? New projects kicking off all of a sudden. And I've actually just written back, I don't think I could handle it this week. I'm going to need to do that when I come back. And I just wouldn't have felt okay doing that even three years ago. I think it's just been the process of, I'm going to say it, getting tired. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who runs a business a bit larger than mine. And we were talking about that. I don't want to call it a slump, but that sense that you get to later stages in life, or maybe just with kids and family and things piling up. But the energy you can bring to your job, especially around the clock, it's just different. And I think you have to get tired of seeing the same patterns over and over again work. And for me with freelancing, it's always the same pattern. About a week and a half or a week before a planned vacation, things come out of the woodwork. Really great opportunities, favors from people that I really like, things that I want to do just pop up. And I can't tell you how many weekends off or days off or Christmas vacations that I have almost ruined by saying yes, because I wanted to be that helpful person. And I love that feeling of seeing a need and meeting a need. But this time around, I love the feeling of knowing I'm not going to have a really stressful Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to some time off. For a little personal update, I want to just reassure everybody that I am really enjoying being a parent. If kids ever listen to this podcast, we can know that it's just a season of difficulty with toddlers. So we're out of some kind of growth phase or brain leap, and it's just been really wonderful at home. My kids are energetic, smart, and we've started having regular adventures we can look forward to. Like on Sundays, we'll let my husband sleep in. We'll rush out of the house really early in the morning and get breakfast at the Starbucks drive-thru because they have these things called egg bites. If you haven't had them, toddlers, so far so good. Everybody goes crazy over them, or you can just get some oatmeal. Then we drive a little bit out of town to a special bakery that does a lot of gluten-free, dairy-free stuff. We go across the street and just play at the playground. By 9.30 in the morning, we've already had three hours of adventures, but it's all been really mom-friendly really chill. So we're a couple weeks of doing stuff like that and just having a lot less tension and screaming and like emotional dysregulation that comes with the toddler territory that I know is completely normal and natural, but really has affected me as a person. Something new I want to do today is I had a question come in from a B2B Moonshot Machine member 
about how much time it takes to write a project. So this person is working on a thought leadership article, which tends to be about 700 to 1,000 words. And they were asking, what does the timetable look like for a project like this in terms of each stage? So you have research, outline, draft, etc. And my response, I'd be interested in what everybody would think if you want to email me. I think the most helpful way to think about this kind of stuff is in percentages. As you get more familiar with the process, you estimate the actual amount of time and improve on that, kind of like setting a PR every time you run. So we might start out with our percentages being about 50% of our time researching and outlining, about 40% drafting, 10% edits, feedback. That may be true for you. That may be true for most writers, but maybe not. Because over time, you're going to find a percentage that works better for you. You might find yourself being less of an outliner, more of a drafter, and that's okay. For me, I'm a lot more of an outliner and a lot less of a drafter. I really, this probably isn't healthy, but I like to aim to outline so thoroughly that basically I only need one shot at writing the copy for a first draft. That doesn't work for a lot of people, and a lot of people might really dislike the outline phase. So if I were absolutely forced to answer the question around time, I'm going to say that for a intermediate or beginner writer, one to two to three hours researching an outline is great to aim for because there's going to be a lot of reports, and blogs, and background information that you need to read very in a very detailed way that perhaps if you are more advanced in a field, you're not going to have to, you can scan a little easier. Then we're going to have two or three hours of the actual drafting. I think this could be closer to one, two hours if it's a short piece, but it might be even longer, five to six hours if it's a seriously long industry report. Then I'm going to look for one to two hours or less edits, feedback, but that's only because we have this really strong outline going into it. If you fall into about two hours of what I've just shared, I think you're on or above average time-wise. And I think this question in general introduces some ideas about how long something should take. Because in one sense, you could just work forever on one piece to make it perfect. Like truly, you could take a blog post and work on it for months and still not have it be perfect. So at some point, I think in the intermediate phase, you need to decide you need to decide how much time you're going to spend on each phase. So at this point, I might take a project and depending on the rate, decide this project gets one hour to outline, three hours to write, and I'll plan to spend one or two hours on the edits. Some projects might take less time. Some projects might take more time, but I'm actually setting my goals and shooting for a specific time to help me make sure my internal rate stays at the right place. And that's why it could be so hard to create spec work or do the first steps of moving into B2B and elevating your writing for thought leadership because you end up approaching this piece and it's, you could spend five hours on the introduction, still not really be sure that it's the right choice to make or then it's going to be good. You could spend a half hour writing some garbage and feel like it's done. And then realize when you get client feedback or when you've taken some time away and read it again, that it just is very good. So it can be really confusing if you don't have some guidelines in place like that. A second point that kind of goes along with the phases and time that goes into a project is going to be how important it is to keep a record of content development. 
I've realized some people don't quite do this and maybe they keep different pieces of research reports or past white papers and things from clients scattered around the inbox. And it occurred to me it might help to know what I do is I kick off every project with a Google folder with just everything related to that project. So every project, sometimes with the invoice number, if there's a lot of projects from a client, will get its own folder. In that folder, go find notes from the kickoff call in a Google document, any background information, any content brief that might come from the client, any collateral that I picked up off the website. It just all goes into that one folder so that anytime I'm working on this project, I pull up that folder and everything that I could need is right there. All of the information that a client would expect to see in a first draft is captured as I'm creating the project. And this is a couple things. So first, it makes sure that all the information is captured. Like I just said, if a client tells you they want to see BAC and you forget and don't include that in the draft, that's not going to reflect well on you. It'll probably come out in the feedback. It's not going to be great. But if you put that note in the document as you're developing it, where you move that into the folder, you're going to see when you sit down to write, oh yeah, the client wants BAC in this. So I can put that in there. Second, that's going to keep you really organized on calls. So when I sit down for a subject matter expert interview, I just pull up my folder. I have my outline. I have my subject matter expert questions. It's all in one place. I don't have to think about it or scramble or wonder what's happening. So I'm going into that call with a lot more confidence. And finally, what I think is the most important part, if you're trying to scale your writing business or just handle more projects without going extremely unsettlingly insane, is that this allows you to organize your content and have it all in one place so that it is not a part of your cognitive load when you are working on something else. So if I have all of my content in my inbox and I'm switching from project to project, I'm going to have that stuff in the back of my mind because I'm always keeping track of where it is, like how we keep track of what's in the pantry. It's just, it's in the back of our minds. It's there. But once I started doing this folder technique, I'm not really thinking about anything except what's in the folder because I can trust that my system has my back and has all of the information I need. So while I'm working on project one, I have folder one open. Everything I need is there. I'll just root around it here. Nowhere else to go. It's all good. When I move to project two, I leave project one in the rearview mirror. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not thinking about it. So at any given time, I might have five to 10 to 15 content projects going on at one time. But because I'm moving them through my phases of the editorial process, because I have all of everything I could possibly need in one place, it is very segmented and very easy to manage. There's just one more thing I wanted to talk about today. Earlier in August, I did a training called Leaving Teaching for Writing. You might not know this, but I'm a former classroom teacher. So I was a ninth grade English teacher for two and a half years before I got into writing. And one of my passions has always been helping other teachers transition out of teaching. So my first website, I started Life After Teaching, and I really got into HR, hiring, and all of these things to try to understand why do people take a chance on some candidates? Why do some people get jobs? Some people don't. I sold that website a couple of years ago to someone who's become a really good friend, but I wanted to do a training just to help people see what the potential could be like in B2B writing. And so that happened, that happened earlier this month. But one of the interesting questions I got to go into there 
was if I had to start over right now, what would I be doing? So I thought I'd share those really three quick steps here as the helper in case you're still trying to figure out how to get things up and running. So the first thing I would do is take my free Foundations B2B Writing Clap course. That seems pretty obvious to me, but if you don't know about it, that's a great place to start. This is going to give you a sense of what the heck all of this is. So what is a white paper? Why do people do that? What is how our business is structured? How could a teacher possibly fit into the marketing landscape? That kind of stuff. Second, I would be subscribing to something interesting in B2B. So I like to recommend Industry Dive to get a sense of how people are talking about B2B. Then just ask yourself, does anything strike my interest? Do I want to know more about anything? Do I get energized by reading about these things? For educators, there's niches like Edutech, K-12, through and higher ed. As humans, we all already know retail and grocery, and we could dig in and get to know it better. And I've also seen that people without experience in marketing can also thrive in really technical fields like healthcare and construction, not because they just naturally have all this healthcare and construction <laughs> information, but because those clients typically assume writers will not have work experience because those are such technical fields. So the emphasis on the writer as someone who learns about something, educates themselves about something, and then explains it to someone else is a lot stronger there. And third in the list of free things I'd do if I were just getting started is to just touch up my LinkedIn profile and start building a network before you set up a business, before you find a client, before you decide to do this for real. Just freshen up your LinkedIn profile a little bit. Sign in. Make sure you have a professional photo and your data is up to date, even if it's just with whatever job you have now. And then go find some people who connect. Find some people who you don't know and who look interesting. You can start with me. But six months from now, you're going to want to have started putting some time into LinkedIn six months ago. And that's going to give you a head start to start doing that. And I like to remind people some people won't accept your connection requests. That's fair game. But if someone is on LinkedIn, it is because they have opted into growing their network. So do not feel shy about reaching out to someone and saying, hi, I'm in the same space. I'd love to connect and learn more about what you do. Something like that. That's going to start opening up your world and letting you be a part of what could sometimes just be serendipitous connections of people who eventually will just see that you're a writer, reach out and say, hey, do you do any writing? Little things like that. You can start those small steps now. Okay, that's all for this week because I have a special episode coming out next that I'm going to leave as a big surprise. But I do want to leave you with one huge win for me that felt very mature, if not old. But I was on a client call. I was the only one with my video off. And then everyone else slowly turned their videos off. Boom. If that's not leadership, I don't know what it is. But thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.